Hello, hello, everyone, and welcome to Past Deadline, the Ithacans podcast where we discuss the story behind the story of the Ithacans reporting methods of the week. I'm your host, Sierra Guardiola, and this week we're going to be doing something a little different and talking about a new position at the Ithacan, the Community Outreach Manager. The Community Outreach Manager is brand new, and Senior Catwalks has been hired for the position, and it was a position that Grace Ellitson, who's our Editor-in-Chief, introduced on her application when she was applying for Editor-in-Chief. The Community Outreach Manager was advertised as being focused on engaging all readers of the Ithacan and will specifically focus on the paper's relationship with marginalized communities on campus to make sure that everyone feels connected to the journalism that's produced. Ellitson and Walsh published a commentary outlining the goals for the Ithacan's steps towards more inclusivity, acknowledging that the paper will benefit from this position and in turn be more representative of the whole college community. The commentary mentions that historically, the Ithacan has had a predominantly white, cisgendered editorial board. This follows trends in national newsrooms as well, with white employees making up 81% of the New York Times, 81% of the Wall Street Journal, and 69% of the Washington Post. Today, Ellison and Walsh have come on to speak about how this new position will help the Ithacan be a more representative news outlet for our campus community. Thanks for coming on today, guys. Thanks for having Thanks us. For having us. Um, so first, Kat, can you just tell us a little bit about yourself and what your interests are? Um, I am a senior here at Ithaca College. I am from Jersey. I was originally born in South Korea. Um, I don't know how far to go back on this. but um, To the day you were born. Yeah, right? <laughs> um, <laughs> I... I am a film BFA major with a minor in international politics. I am a bold scholar, um, and I am the new community outreach manager. <laughs> um, that's great. So we've heard what the community outreach manager is as it was advertised. Can you, in your own words, tell us what this position is all about? Um, I think this position is a, um, a majority about gaining trust back from the marginalized communities on campus. You know, we've had a lot of problems in the past being represented correctly and um, professionally, respectfully. And I think my job is just to give the people at the Ithacan the tools and vocabulary that they need to better connect with their audience and the people that they're interviewing. Um, Because this is such an important and huge outlet for us that it has to be accessible to everyone. How do you plan to give them those tools to better uh, their reporting? Um, We are, there's a lot of things that we have to do. Um, Baby steps first is um, we're planning to have monthly discussions um, that Grace and I will facilitate um, with the marginalized groups um, in the student body to ask them what they need from us, what we can do better, what we haven't done right, and where we can go from here. Um, And besides that, the Ithacan will be hosting workshops um, that I will be able to talk to their staff and their journalists about how you talk to people that you don't necessarily relate to, especially when it is in these binaries and huge categories such as race and gender and... um, things that are really important to people. Um, so just understanding that you need to be respectful of these people's stories and what they what they have to say in representing their voice right. 
I know that in the commentary, you guys also mentioned audit sourcing, audits for your sourcing, rather. What do those look like? So um, audit sourcing is um, things that news outlets have been doing for the past couple of years where they take information from the stories and articles that they've done in the past, um, whether it's the past five years, 10 years, so on, um, about specific groups and how often those groups are mentioned and represented. So specifically what we're looking at right now is a gender audit. Um, We don't exactly know the specifics yet of what stories we're going to be focusing on, how far back we're going yet, but basically we're trying to figure out what percentage of reader, not readers, um, people that we've interviewed and sources that we've collected over the past couple of years what percentage of them are men and what percentage are women. And news outlets have done this in the past, and it's really, really easy to see that the difference is insane. Yeah, and I, and I think going off of that is that um, the purpose of doing these audits is trying to help the Ithaca better understand what trends may we intentionally or unintentionally be propagating in our reporting. Um, trends, I mean, like, you know, unequal representation that's, uh, you know, currently plaguing our society, how does that reflect in our journalism? Um, Obviously, we're not, you know, going out in a story reporting and saying, I'm going to get five men and two women. Um, But due to societal power structures that have developed, sometimes there are more male sources available for a certain topic than female sources. Um, So what this audit is really going to help us do is be very intentional with our sourcing um, to make sure that we're representing not just the majority voice, but voices that may not have had that historical power Mm -hmm. before. So, I mean, you can just put it into the example of when you're covering a story on, on science, like a science topic, there are more men, male academics in the science field than there are women given that those opportunities have always been more present for men in our society. So therefore, how do we as journalists make sure that we're not still propagating these unequal power structures in our society as simple as in our sourcing? You know, so it's, it's, we have to go back to what are we intentionally trying to do about this problem? And those with those right. audits are really going to help us try to solve. Is there any other ways that you're hoping this position will help our reporting? Oh, so many. Yeah, so many. So many. Um, There. I can start off like a little bit on this. I mean, I think a a big issue that we have, especially for, you know, I mean, we're at a predominantly white institution and we're known to have one of the best journalism programs in the country. We're feeding a pipeline, you know, into the journalism industry that needs to be better than what it is now because the journalism industry is predominantly white at the largest newspapers in this country. Um, now it's, it's, it's our job as the institutions on this campus to make sure that reporters are the best equipped to make this industry better. Um, and I mean, part of that is just going back to the very basic premise of why am I a journalist? <laughs> you know, like, why am I doing what I'm doing? Why am I asking people about their stories? You know, it's, it's sometimes like we have this like moral image of like this crusader journalist coming in to save the world. Right. And people of color don't need saving. They need representation. 
Like, we don't need to be the journalists who are, you know, like, we, we can't be seen as, like, moral crusaders here. We need to be representing the views of our community in a way that we're not just focusing on the majority. Um, reporters need to know that they don't have a right to people's traumas um, and personal stories. That's a deeply formed trust that right. takes a lot of time um, to build. And so it's really reorienting the perspective of these journalists to say, own up to what you don't know and own up to what you need to know to tell the story correctly and in a way that is the, the most intentional. I mean, like, help me out here. What, what, what am I trying to say? <laughs> I... I think uh, journalism gets misconstrued a lot, and especially on this campus, um, it it just doesn't really get the best rep, which, you know. Um, and I just think as a campus that identifies itself as liberal, like, it's our job to represent the 19% of, like, or give representation to the 19% uh, POC student body here. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we we just kind of have sat by mm-hmm. and just watched it happen for so long. And at this point, it's like you just can't ignore it anymore. Mm-hmm. The population of the POC student body is growing every year. And especially looking at this new um, administration for the school, like we are moving in a direction that you cannot deny and if these problems that have persisted in the past continue then we cannot continue as mm-hmm. one of the better one of the best journalism schools in the country mm-hmm. it's just like not possible yeah and I, I mean just to go off of that like journalists are supposed to be checking power structures if we're at a college right. where you know it's only 20 percent poc right and 80% white, why is our coverage 90% white? You know, why are, why are the issues that we're covering, you know, we're not delving into those issues enough. We're not delving into the power structures that really need our attention because what journalism is supposed to do, it's supposed to represent the unrepresented. What happens when you're not even doing that? And not to say, and I don't want to paint the Ithacan as this, like, evil place that just has intentionally not been representing marginalized groups because that's not the case at all. It's just that there are certain structures that have been embedded into the Ithacan that we need to break down and that we need to question um, in order to really get at, you know, why we're not reporting these stories. Is it a lack yeah. of trust? It's, Is a, it... it's, it's like, it's lack of trust. It's mm-hmm. um, mistakes that have been made in the past that haven't been adequately um apologized for or fixed um, miscommunications that happen purely out of mistake or ignorance. It's it's so much. And I think the biggest thing is lack of vocabulary and miscommunication. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't believe that the Ithacan ever intentionally tries to be any kind of ism or anything against anyone it's just that lack of understanding where these people come from. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that the Ithacan needs to realize that it is in and of itself a power structure mm-hmm. on this school. And 
as this power structure that has been established in this PWI for years and years and years, it needs to understand that from the jump, it didn't have people of color's trust. It didn't have any marginalized groups' trust because the school has been predominantly white, has been predominantly male, has been predominantly able, has been predominantly cis, everything, you know, um, has predominantly just been the main people who always have power. So when you start introducing people of color and, and you know, and how long the school has been open, we're only 19% POC. We need to recognize that the problem starts with us and we have to move from there. Yeah. Were there, are there any instances that you can think of in the Ithacan's reporting that you've both seen that you think could have benefited from this position previously? I've had instances before where I've spoken to people from the mm-hmm. Ithacan and things have gone wrong where I felt like the information that I've been give, that I have given the Ithacan has been twisted, misconstrued in a way that I'm like, these are no longer my words. And I, most of the time that that has happened to me, and I can't speak for anyone else, but it's come from a place where, oh, well, I just, we went ahead and changed the story. We were going to run it by you, but it's already been changed. And that's something that like needs to be communicated. And that's where the Ithacan lacks is making sure that the peoples whose voices they're represented, who they're representing, are being represented how the people want it to be. And that if something does change, it's communicated to these people before any changes are even made. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it has to go back to who are we reporting for? Yeah. Like, is this about me as a reporter? No. Yeah. It's about my constituents. It's about my community. It's about honoring their stories. You know, it's like, this isn't, you know, it's my job to ethically and credibly deliver those stories to our community so that they're heard, but they belong to this community. It's an incredible, I mean, as a journalist, it's an honor to, to represent people's stories. Like, I think sometimes that gets lost in the day-to-day busyness of breaking news and okay. making deadline and putting out a paper. It's like, we're in a business that's incredibly personal. Right. And what, a, what an honor to, to right. deal with that every day. And, it, and I think we also have to recognize that it's a privilege too. Mm. And we have to recognize the privilege that we have as journalists, as reporters, as um, people who get to hear these stories firsthand and publish them to the world. Um, we need to recognize our privilege and, you know, use that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. <laughs> if you don't mind me jumping back just a little bit, um, Grace, so when you first were applying for editor-in-chief, you brought up this idea mm-hmm. of creating a community manager or a community outreach manager, rather. How did you get inspired to create this position? Where did this idea come from? And where was the hole that you were looking at that the Ithacan really needed this? Yeah, I think, I mean, since I've started working at the Ithacan, which was like my first day of my freshman year, <laughs> um, We've always talked about how the Ithacan has not been a completely representative space. Um, we've done great work. We're one of the top student newspapers in the country. Um, we produce really great journalism, but 
we, we always knew that we lacked trust among marginalized communities. And it was always like people like we would pass around ideas. I was like, oh, we could, do, we could go do this. We could like, you know, connect with groups and like, you know, start conversations. But it's like, but people always argued about how to actually do it because it's a very, this is so complex. You know, it's, this is not easy. And going forward on this journey, I think Kat and I both know that this is, this is not an easy fix. Right. Um, so, I mean, I think I just, you know, in, in my research, I have not seen another student publication, college publication, pursue the strategy in the country. There have been like-minded strategies, but nothing in the terms of like a community outreach position that is specifically tasked with going out into its community and making sure that it's representing them. Were you seeing any national outlets doing this? Oh, yeah. So, like, national outlets have, like, ombudsmans or, like, community editors, you know, and, and, like, NPR, The Atlantic, Christian Science Monitor, where I worked this summer, they've all been doing audits of their sourcing, which we're going to be pursuing as well. So, yeah, it's definitely being pursued on the national level. At a college newspaper level, not necessarily. Um, We definitely, you know, are privileged to have the resources to be able to pursue this position. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I just, you know, I was tired of having conversations about it, but not actually doing anything about it. Right. And the time is now, you know, and, and I think it's going back to what you said, Kat, jur- journalism as an industry, newspapers, uh, our, our power structures. We also have to understand that as the, as like a check on power structures, we also have to check ourselves. We also right. have to like reevaluate who we're representing, that's incredibly important, but it's also a p- kind of a painful process to say, okay, here's an organization that I love so much, let's look into its deepest, darkest corners. Um, that's really hard, and it's, and it's incredibly vulnerable, vulnerable for me to take an organization that I love so, so much and think has such you know, opportunity for, for power on this campus to kind of rip it apart a little, but it's also, you know, incredibly needed. It's incredibly needed to move to move forward and say that we are a representative, honest, accurate community newspaper. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also recognize the incredible incredible amount of vulnerability that we're asking for our community to respond with by engaging with us on this right. on this level. And you know, I just want to say moving forward to all listeners and readers is that thank you. You know, thank you for engaging with us on this topic. And we recognize and admire your courage and vulnerability in, in pursuing this journey with us. Right. So and we, Kat and I just want to be, you know, we care about this institution and we we want to affect change. Right. And I think it's, it's important to recognize that this me and Grace have talked about this pretty frequently. It's not going to be an overnight fix. I'm not here to suddenly bring change and structure and all, like, fix. I'm not here to fix the Ithacan and its problems. I'm not here to fix the campus's problems. I, I can't do that. I don't have that power. But what I want out of the Ithacan is an Ithacan that this entire school can be proud of and say that they feel represents what journalism is and gives voice to people who feel like 
they haven't had it in the past. I've, I know so many people of color on campus feel scared to share their stories with Ithacan because they're like, it's my story to share, not yours. And what we need to bridge the gap between these people, how we need to bridge the gap between these groups is helping both groups understand that what we are supposed to be doing is giving them a voice to tell their story. But the reason journalism journalism is there is to help these people construct their story in a way that can be published in a media outlet. Mm-hmm. You know, we can't, you know, we can't just, you know, post our things on Facebook and hope that they reach millions of people, even though, you know, that's how things happen today. But we have the tools and we have the privilege and we want to do better and we're taking the steps and they're they're small steps but they're steps and you know I think it's going in a really great direction. One issue you guys bring up in your commentary was that the Ithacan has a historic record of white cisgendered editorial board members. What's the makeup of the board this year look like and does it follow that trend? Mm. Yeah oh yeah it's I, I mean I don't have stats but I mean I can tell you with certainty that it's upwards of 90% white, Um, and that's an issue. I mean, I know how uncomfortable I feel when I walk into a room and it's all men, and I'm like, yikes. Not to say that every man in there is out to get me, but it's if you're the only, it's it's an incredibly uncomfortable experience. It's scary, and it's something that people of color go through every day on this campus, consistently looking around and being like, Mm -hmm. I am the only person of color in this class, in this meeting, in this office I you know first day I walked in I kind of recognized that I was the only visible person of color and it's it's not even like I'm not brown or black either so it's 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 a big makeup (laughs) yeah yeah and it's it's and I and I really hope that I, I hope that people understand that that they are the the students on this campus are incredibly valuable to us. All of their perspectives are incredibly valuable to us, and anyone is welcome in that office. Um, you know, it's just a matter of breaking down those barriers and bridging the divide, as Kat said, um, so we can be a more unified community and community newspaper. Is one of the roles of the community outreach manager to make the office a more comfortable space too? Um, yeah, I would say so. I would, um, you know, I think <laughs> a lot of people are scared to walk into the Ithacan and share a story that is, you know, really personal to them and something that a group of white journalists aren't going to get and not because they don't want to, but because they can't. Mm-hmm. And well, I would, I would say that every, every journalist I work with in there and that, you know, even if they are white, even if they come from different backgrounds, every person strives to be as understanding as possible. If my job is to make sure that the journalists at the Ithacan are going out and representing these people correctly and that the Ithacan itself is becoming more inclusive, then I think that goes hand in hand with my job being making sure that people of color and other every marginalized group can walk in to the Ithacan office and know that I am there to make sure that they are heard. 
So these tools that you're implementing will be aids in getting to those steps right. to be mm-hmm. having the tools to be more capable of um, hearing stories. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so when is this first action taking place? When's this first monthly discussion? Um, we're hoping before the end of October. Um, I believe is twenty is the twenty eighth correct? We had a loose date. We had a loose date of twenty ninth. Yeah, October twenty ninth. Yes. Um, but that may be updated. So, but definitely we're <laughs> going to try to get that done before the end of October. Yeah. And we've already started um, running stories by me and getting. Mm-hmm. Um, making sure that journalists, you know, are comfortable coming to me and talking about how how can I be better? How can I make sure that this story comes out and is saying what needs to be said? Mm. Great. Well, thank you guys so much for coming on today. I thank really you. enjoyed getting yeah. to know your ideas. Thanks for having awesome. us. Thanks for listening to Past Deadline. I'm your host, Sierra Guardiola. If you would like to hear more, check us out on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Podcasts, and Spotify.